You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, all and sundry and glad tidings and come in and know me better, man, and all that stuff. Happy Christmas, everybody. Uh, Unless you're listening in the future, in which case I assume things are better now than they were in certainly in the UK in Christmas 2020. Let's let's only assume that. Hang on. Can I hear? Yes, you can probably hear a bit of background noise there, which is uh, one of my many, many children running around upstairs playing the recorder or something. Anyway, um, thank you so much for everything you have done for me this year. Um, Thank you for being a member of the Comedians Comedian podcast community. Thank you for being in the Insiders Club, if you are. Um, and uh, you're, I'm putting this up top rather than at the end because I'm just going to sort of say it uh, at the, in the spur of the moment. Um, I have had a wonderful 2020 against all the odds and all of that, a large part of that, has been because I have felt so supported by you. Someone put a, a tweet Someone put a tweet out um, recently, which was... Uh, oh, no, it wasn't even a tweet. I think it was in some comedians group on Facebook, which said, um, how how has the pandemic hit you this year? And one of the answer was one of the answers was devastating. And then the second answer was, I'm fine, I've got a podcast. And then a third answer was, uh, I'm really fine, I've got two podcasts. Um, it really has made such a difference to have you out there and to have you in touch with me, supporting me, whether that be by donating financially, joining the Insiders Club, watching The Infinite Sofa, following me on Twitch, following me on social media, telling other people about the show, enjoying it and telling me you enjoyed it and everything. And just people just randomly getting in touch and giving me suggestions and, and advice on things. It, it has been wonderful. I have felt cherished. I've felt supported supported and there are too many names to mention uh, as to all the people who are responsible for that but you are one of them because you're listening to this show and I hope you go that's all of that that's enough as uh, as Stephen Fry once quoted Pope John Paul II that's enough tedious wank let's party this is Auntie Donna referred to by a listener whose name escapes me I can't remember which one it was it was one of two and I don't remember I'm sorry Um, referred to as dubstep python which I think is unerringly accurate um, these are. This is half of Auntie Donna. This is Mark, Zach, and Broden, the performing half of Auntie Donna, and uh, this is a joyful, wonderful thing. Um, uh, a conversation with three very tired men at the end of the campaign trail. I think they had just one or two other promotional things to do before finally 
landing back on Earth and uh, and having a nice deep breath and uh, perhaps a, a nice cup of morning brown. If you haven't caught up with Auntie Donna on Netflix, where have you been? Do it at once. Get Netflix and watch Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. It, as you will hear throughout this episode, made me frequently crying and breathless with laughter, and it is one of the great joys of my position as host of this podcast. Uh, what meagre position that is. It's one of the great joys that people who have been on the show once go off uh, and in the interim do something or continue to be extraordinary and then really do something where you go, oh, bloody hell, this is this is it. This is this is going to be significant. I think it's going to be significant. I think it's going to inspire a shitload of people. And, and then they come back on the show and tell me all about it. Uh, as you can no doubt hear, my children are fighting and falling over one another upstairs. So let's make this very brief indeed. This is Zach, Mark and Broden from Auntie Donna. Let's talk about the campaign trail, shall we? Or shall I gush at you more about the show? Because gush. I love the show. Gush. I love the show so Please much. Gush. We- Did you? Let, we'll come back to the campaign trail. This is what I want to ask you. Did you compromise on anything? Because it looks like you just got to run around the supermarket going, we'll have this and we'll do this and we'll get a forklift truck and we'll get Ed Helms and we'll dress as policemen. It just looks like nobody said no to you on anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix were amazing, man. Like they were, they were just the the one thing that we've said um, uh, in 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 other things when we've talked about sort of what we've come to at the back end of this whole process was that they they just had no notes about tone or style. They just wanted us to be us. You know, they really helped us shape what we did into like a you know twenty two minute format. You know, so like some things we might have like gone longer for some sketches we would have you know done a few minutes longer for YouTube or whatever. But they were really good at like pulling it back, and then our producers were also really good at then helping us to establish. Do you remember the first episode, guys? The first cut of the first mm, episode mm-hmm, that we mm. sat down and watched. Do you, yeah. do you want to talk about that for a bit? We haven't talked about that much before. No, we haven't. We- oh, yeah, I was going to say, th- throughout the interview, if one of you says something that you've said on every podcast, because you are on the campaign trail, <laughs> can the other two wave? And then that person has to try and rephrase it so it sounds different. <laughs> well, that's why we love you, Stewie. We love you. So we wanna, I want to give you something that we haven't really talked this about. This is what yeah. we want. <laughs> yeah. We, we, the, we, we were pretty loose. Like, the, the, the key to doing something badly is to do it with tension, whether that's going to the gym or firing a gun, or uh, if you do things with tension, then you're going to do a bad job of it. But um, and for I think why I'm happy with this show is a lot of it was done with not no tension. We 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 really came to this at a point where we feel like we did the ten thousand hours that people talk about when you you know you know when we came to the show we felt we we're in a good position. But when we got into the editing room, just because it took so long to get this TV show up and going and to happen. Um, when we looked at, like, there's a lot of weight on uh, the first edit of the first episode of a TV show because mm. everything before it is an approximation of kind of what you want the show to look like. The writing of it is, we kind of want it to look like this. The shooting of it is the exact same thing. And then you look at the edit, and this is the TV show. This is what the TV show is. And um, so there's a lot of tension on this has to be good and um, mm. I think we, well, firstly, there was, I think, five of us sitting in one editing suite, tiny little editing suite in America, and just trying to make it the sharpest, most, like, sh- like hard, friggin' 
thing you've ever seen uh, because we wanted it to be absolutely perfect. And uh, from memory, I think some of our producers came in to watch it and they didn't laugh once. And we all kind of freaked out a little bit and thought we've we've gone, we've made this too... We've made it like a diamond in our head where there's no room for breath. There's no, you know, mm. it, it was it was coming from tension is the is the only way I can put it. Um, and know. and were you were you laughing at that 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 edit where they didn't laugh? No. Were you <laughs> laughing? Did you like did you like that version that product? And you were like, okay, we've nailed it. I, I think, or, were, or did you realise before they didn't laugh? Hang on, I don't know if even we're happy with this anymore. Uh, I think I think um, I think we were confident. I remember. Um, like, uh, bro, like, invited was the producer was there, and I remember bro was like, "Oh, do you want to stay and watch it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think that's a great vibe. Let's just skip a step. Let's let's just." So we were confident, but I wouldn't say in hindsight we were laughing at it. I don't think we <laughs> we'd made the choices that were funny. We'd we'd made those choices to make it tight, and I think part of that was actually say it was out of tension but it was also out of um where we come from you know we came from youtube and in youtube every piece of fat is a moment you can lose a viewer every piece of like whatever is a moment someone can switch off because you don't have that sort of captive audience that you have with a tv show so that was the experience we've brought and i think we kind of came in almost a little cocky like we know how to do this we've done this for seven years it's just and and then we we did it so tight because that's what we'd kind of nailed with our last web series that then you see that in 22 minutes um you need space to breathe and you need you almost yeah. need bits that aren't funny like not fu- bits mm. that are funny in you, a you, different you need, way you need feed lines don't you yeah. some yeah. stuff has to be a feed line rhythmically yeah. rhythmically yeah. it can't just be punch 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 and your stuff on youtube is the shortest stuff certainly mm. is just punch 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 and our live mm. shows Absolutely. as well i think the uh another thing is going back how i'd do it again is i would edit all of them before showing episode one because I think the best way to get to a good place creatively is just to be like smashed with workload like where you kind mm. of have so much going they go oh it's fine because I definitely I, I sat in for, for, for mo- like for all of the editing uh, so it was about two three months uh, which is more than some other shows but for us the editing is almost like the th- two or three drafts of a sketch find it. Um, yeah. yeah and uh by the end of it, working on episode six in March, sure, COVID started to happen, but also we were just like, we know this is fine. It's going to be fine. Let's just, you know, it, you know, we were in much uh, in a much more confident, you know, position. If you're worrying about getting one thing perfect, the more you try and do that, the chances are you're um you're going to screw it up. But the other thing I wanted to talk about, talking about, did we have free reign and everything? The thing I thought that was worth bringing up is that um. This was our third bite at the TV apple um, over mm. over the years that we've been doing this is we made one pilot uh, in Australia and then another pilot and then we got it right on the third time. In a comedic way, comedic third. Uh, we, um, <laughs> we, um, these, these first two, the first two projects were what? That was the middle one was Glen, is it Glenridge? We did a pilot no. of a web series. We did ABC oh, pilot. Okay. And then we did a pilot okay. for another streaming platform in Australia called Stan. And then this one was the third, um, where we, but was the, and, and, and those were all iterations of this concept. No. Of like the three of you living in a house. Doing no, it. no, no. Okay. What, no. what was sort of happening, uh, in Australia when we were pitching and trying to make TV was, uh, a lot of what we were getting was, 
you can't just do what you do on YouTube because that's on YouTube and that's for free. So you need to have a reason for people to be watching you on TV in yeah, yeah in okay. a half hour format. So we were like, and even when we were pitching in the states originally, we kept that was with us. That was like no one wants to see. That's not the feedback we were getting from from networks or executives, but that's what we had in our heads, what we'd had drilled in our head. So our first pilot was like very much 50% narrative, 50% sketch, and we were trying to give all the characters sort of sitcom arcs. The second okay. pilot we made was our sitcom. It was just a straight sitcom with, you know, we really tried to, we're like, all right, well, we'll go harder into the characters and and what we found was that we were just constantly drifting into things that we that weren't our strength that we didn't want to do that we weren't incredible at and and you know when we pitched this idea we, to Netflix well when with this idea was sort of pitched back to us right guys yeah we we were appeasing producers for a lot of our TV development in Australia where people would say this is how it happens and you need to fit into this sort of uh, way mm. of doing things and we didn't know better so we often would do that and what we didn't realize is that we were, we've spent a lot of... These three people sitting in front of you, Stu, have spent a lot of time together, both on stage <laughs> and off stage and on camera and on camera. And we have a dynamic that works for people. We have an understanding of what makes people laugh when the three of us do things together, as well as the other boys outside of the group. Um, so, and it, what we just needed to do... And maybe it took eight years to where we are now to find it, but we needed just the confidence to say we know how it works and to back ourselves when someone in in a position of power like questioned or challenged it. When we walked into Netflix, we kind of said, uh, it's us three living in a house. Um, If anyone asked what their jobs were, we said, doesn't matter. If anyone said, who's the lead lead of the group or who drives who, it's not important. Uh, we gave no justice. Like, where is it set in the world? We're like, oh, haven't doesn't no really way. matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was LA for a bit, yeah. and then I was like, it's definitely Australia. And then I thought, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> that always became our thing. Is and and that is and the truth is, it actually doesn't matter. But what matters is the confidence to say it doesn't matter and to say I've got hundred percent. Yeah. And that is a that is such a glorious thing to hear, and that really kind of resonates from the show. Yeah. Like that thing of just like did, when, I mean, the first, my first question: Did anyone say no to you? Well, <laughs> no, because you went in and said, "We're doing this, we're making this," and then presumably, they, like, did you have kind of a, a creative bottom line in mind, whereby if they said, "Oh no, it has to matter," you'd have said, "Well, then this isn't the right relationship," and, and walked off. <laughs> I mean, no, no we would have done it. We would have gone, "Okay, okay, right, sorry." Okay. <laughs> We'll make another and uh, make another pilot that doesn't go forward. Okay. Think, <laughs> please, thing, please like us. Please give us it. The thing I would I would say is is um, it's important to note uh, our own culpability in that. Um, you know, the, the the idea of backing yourself or the idea of mm. uh, believing in yourself and believing in your own ability to do something is not just it's very easy to just say oh and and i i'm very guilty of that oh it was just it was networks it was producers it was you know but i think there was also we needed to within ourselves go you know what if there's questions if there's doubts if there's concerns let's let's work it out amongst this 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 group of six people um and i think that was a really big stepping stone that we found was that you know what, like we might not be able to make something perfect, but we can make something authentic um, if we just 
stick inside our own experience and inside this group. And I think that, that Netflix was very good in allowing that. And, and did that, because that's such a beautiful idea of we're going to, it doesn't need to be perfect, it needs to be authentic. Like that's an incredibly transferable idea to all art, right? That's yeah. great. So given that what you make is so... Uh, let me pick my words carefully. Oh, no, it's all right. Childlike. Bad? Oh, childlike. Yeah, <laughs> bad, great. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, childlike. Do you know what I mean? It's absurd. It's nonsensical. Like, there are things where, like, you really had to lean into this doesn't matter in order to make some of the narrative choices. And I'm pronouncing, and in that sentence, the word narrative is narrative choices that you're making, you know. And um, also choices. Choices. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like, it's, it's, um, it's so, it's fa- that's absolutely fascinating to me, the idea of you need to believe in yourself and be authentic when the thing that you are being authentic about is wild and mm. ludicrous like how- you know it's not like hey i'm going to lean into the authenticity of my i'm a singer songwriter and i'm really going to get into what love means do you know what i mean it's like this is yeah. i've got to be authentic about something which like like if it's almost like in the cold light of day if they suddenly you know in a club when they turn all the lights on and everyone's like oh this is really what's here <laughs> like do you ever have those moments of kind of going what what the fuck are we doing? Like, is can this work? Well, I guess it's that the, the big thing that jumps out to me when you say that more than anything. It's something I I battle with a lot. Even just just for me because I don't I'm of the group I'm the the weakest writer. Like I'm the weakest at sitting and writing. Most of my ideas come from improvisation or having too much sugar at around three p.m. Like that's that's where the <laughs> flow happens for me. Um, and, it, and, and the question is, like, how do you fight? How do you logically fight for something that at its essence is illogical? Or how do you say, yes. how, do you, how do we, all right, this is something that's come out of the gut. And now you're asking me, what, what are you saying? Now you're asking me, what's the point? Now you're asking me, why is this good? Um, it, it, it's really, really challenging. It's a really, you, you almost have to have two hats. You need producers that back you. Um, or you need to be able to put on a producer hat and sort of sometimes defend something or sometimes just go like pretend there's a logic there. Um, but also like when you've got like Netflix didn't ask those questions. That's the biggest thing is they didn't say, Hey, what's the point of this? Or they didn't say, what are you trying to like? They only ever really said things like, Hey, just so you know, with other shows we've done, sketches like this at this point in the episode tend not to do that well people te- so use that information if you want and 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 we often would but those were the sorts of notes they were giving just like hey so you know this isn't going to work probably but but <laughs> and then you can go back yeah. and do the gut stuff you know yeah 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 i mean like yeah, yeah. the one of the, one, of, one of the most just one of the most exciting experiences of the of the whole thing was we would often get notes. I mean, Netflix gave a note. We did a reading, and a, ne- a note that Netflix gave was episode two isn't weird enough. They were <laughs> like, we love how weird some of the other things are, and they're so subversive and surprising. Like, episode two is not quite doing that for us. Go make it more weird. So we did, and then we had to move it to episode four because it was too weird. But <laughs> remind, remind me, what's, which one are we talking about? What's the, the dating? The dating episode. Yes, gotcha. Okay, right. But so it like, was initially, just a sort of less weird sitcomy dating thing where the three. Well, of it was were dating. like it was just yeah. Broden. Well, like bro, it was just Broden on the date, 
Okay. And we didn't have things like Moogie Woogie in there. <laughs> and uh, there were a few, there were the a few other fly. things where the TV didn't yep. fly. That was all, yeah, like all that was just added later <laughs> on. Um, so we just added all this new shit. And it was a really fun, exciting writing day. Because we'd just never been given that kind of note before. Like, that note just doesn't exist in Australia, you know? Guys, you've really let us down. We were hoping you'd be weird. Can you stop pissing about and be weird, please? We were told you were broken people. Can you turn the fuck dial up? (laughs) Yeah, can you turn the fuck dial? We need that fuck dial right up to a 10, guys. Is, is Is the dating episode the one with Hunk and Dork in it? Because yeah. I like I was, you know I was kind of occasionally making notes just for my just for memory's sake. But the amount on that one, hunk and talk. I wrote every what, one of the most exciting things is that every element could corrupt at some point. Like your performances, the jokes, the camera, the you know, the, you know, the videography, the music, the set. Like all of these things are normally in harmony. And with what you do, and I think that episode typifies it more than any other. I mean, maybe that's the one where you just, you felt most free reign. Because any of those things, when you're looking at your clothes and you stop being able to pronounce clothes, and at the same time, the camera just, it's like the guy's stoned who's, he just kind of gets interested in something else. I was crying laughing. Yeah, I think that's, And I think that's really funny that you picked that one. And that's the one that really, for me, stood out. Like, um, the... The like when you're doing the narrative on Hunk and Dork, when Mark you're doing the commentary, and even the commentary by like the fifth time you speak, I don't remember the line, but it's like rather than going he does this, you're sort of going that fucking blah. you know what I mean? like you can't even bother to say it properly. Oh, sorry, that's that's not a question. That's just me uh, crying laughing at the memory of Hunk crying a, laughing. There's a moment in in um in the nighttime episode where where we were because that's a similar thing where we gave the DOP permission to be fucked. And there was this one bit where, like, for no reason, I don't think it was prompted, but he just ran out, ran at us with the camera. Or like, there wasn't, like, because it was meant to be that the Sandman was coming for us. And then it, we, he just got, and this was episode five, and we shot on location, like, in this, on the set of the house, we shot chronologically. So he'd gotten comfortable, he'd done the clothes sketchy, and he just, like felt free to just run at us with the camera and then i rem- and then we tried another two or three times to recreate it because the focus was out of whack and and it oh. didn't quite and we tried to recreate it and then in the end it was just like no the energy of that moment of us not knowing he was going to do that of him choosing to do that that's what ended up making the cut even though the focus was not perfect and it's like oh, it's great so that you say that like danger is is and that that feeling of uh, that you want to feel like there was that this that, that there are choices happening in the moment of everything yeah. we do, you know. Permission, permission to play. Everyone had permission to play from the fucking makeup artist to you know, like that. That's it's kind of the environment we try to create. I think is fair to say. That's incredible. I'm so I'm so in awe of that. I think that's great that you wanted to do that 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 was your intention of the show to like let everyone just to say to the i'm not familiar with the term op what does that mean a dop director the do i didn't matter it's dp actually i think it was talking to what you're talking about (laughs) i'm not familiar with that term you've made up and got wrong Uh, OP in, in theatre terminology means opposite prompt. Obviously, your theatre is no prompt and OP. Naturally, yes, or original poster. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, I, there just seems to be these moments, and particularly in British comedy history, where 
the door opens up for a second and the crazies are let in. Um, like, yeah. like Python famously went into BBC and, and had and no, had no pitch apart from, oh, we want to make a show and we're given 10 episodes as a sort of like, not you know, you've done a bad pitch, but here's a compromise. Uh, and I, and, yeah, you know, you're all, you're all white men. Yeah, sure. <laughs> let's get to the pub. Um, and then also, I think in the like, you know, there's obviously just seems to be moments where shows like Jam can get through, and 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 you know, yeah. the young ones, and there's these moments where the crazy, and they tend to they tend to leave a mark. Uh, whether they go on and make a hundred series um, or not, there's these moments where 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 people who are like fully just get the chance to do something too silly and too you know on a budget and it's they're, they're kind of cool moments i remember i was reading um stephen fry's autobiography or memoir or whatever like he's <laughs> when he he just <laughs> that, that sentence started off so highbrow <laughs> well i just realized that i think stephen fry is just <laughs> sitting at a computer and like like we're at a typewriter with an endless piece of paper and he's edited just cuts it when it's at the length of a book and publishes it <laughs> that's the impression i get that's about right that's about right sure. um <laughs> and uh it, it was in his one about about the start of his comedy about his university days like, I can't remember what it was called, but he talked in it. Pub is my exactly other wash what? pot. Sorry. No, the one after that. <laughs> uh, more um, fool me. Sorry. More fu- no, the one uh, before that. Um, but the, uh, the the just what Broden said about uh, Monty Python, and I, it was a similar thing where I think <laughs> I think a BBC producer went to his uh, Footlights show, liked it, and just. Filmed it. They were just like, "Come to BBC," and like, literally, just off the back of his of, of the footlights, and made this show. And I remember just thinking, reading that, like, "God, that's just not how television is anymore." Now you have to get through like so many different people, and you're, you're tired by the time you make the show. And there's there's so many notes, and it's all these hoops. Imagine the idea of just this permissive sort of like, "Here you go, make the show." Um, and then as I talk to you, literally as we talk to you about Netflix, I go, oh, there is an element of like maybe the BBC in the 60s and 70s. Netflix now might be remembered as a, a bit of an mm. era of just this like people getting through, getting in and, and being able to do something quite pure. Like this could be an exciting little time for comedy potentially. If, if they can crack what they what they've done with you if they can turn that into a, a kind of a way that they move forward whereby and i don't know that you're the very first people they've done it to but you're the only ones i can think of whereby they've taken a successful youtube because you say you know we come from youtube you've come through youtube if, if netflix can go oh we've got a youtuber with 10 billion subscribers and we're going to put them on our channel and make the successful TV version of what they do online, the best bits of what they do online, that isn't a sort of unwieldy cut and shut, and it isn't awful because it's not their strength. Like, you've managed yeah. to take what's... That's the most exciting thing about, about the show, I think, is they have taken the, the things that are the best things about Auntie Donna and successfully put mm. them on TV, and that, well, that never happens. Well, so lovely. whether this is, like, the first... They've learned how to do that now... That's lovely That'd of you incredible. to say thank you for thinking that. But also, um, I actually talked to uh, some of our producers in America about this and about, you know, why it's not done more. And the thing that seemed to resonate is uh, 
while we do have a good fan base from YouTube, we're definitely not like YouTube superstars. And what? No, sure. And um, and because we've met them recently, and they're all doing very financially better than us, uh, uh, as yeah. we collaborated with them. <laughs> uh, uh, but what what they're kind of interested in is finding those people. They I, I don't know if those kind of places have had success with the superstars, but where they do find success is like find people who have a tried and tested thing that does resonate with people and give them the chance to be the best overnight secret. You know, that thing of uh, these guys have just come from nowhere, but secretly we have all this data and we know what works about them, but they just haven't had that chance yet. Gotcha. So, yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. I was just thinking um, about the kind of the the back end of it, the analytics, because that's one of the things, I, as I understand it, Netflix is sort of very secretive. Oh, they yes. don't make public viewing mm. figures and stuff. But, it, I mean, Zach alluded to it earlier on, that they can say normally at minute X of episode X, it, we'd notice a drop off because they've got that back end like mm. YouTube would have mm. that traditional TV, I guess, either doesn't have it's or doesn't cr- have as specifically. It's ridiculous, isn't it? There's, doesn't old ratings work with they just get a few people in society and then they... <laughs> yeah, determine- they just multiply it. Yeah, which, so it's almost like exit yeah. polling, which which we all know works perfectly still as well. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Your show yeah, is no, popular they- with the type of person that would answer their landline. That's what, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what TV ratings are. <laughs> But it's yeah. just a funny thing now is that it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, like it, I think it's just flipped on its head entirely where it used to be about finding the key demographic that you could sell ad space for the highest premium to and it's turned to try and make everyone in the house watch things that they're passionate about and will continue to watch and will spend all of it. It's just a different way. It's just completely different to how TV's been for the first century of it. And and when you when you've made stuff for YouTube in the past, have you been aware of that? Have you ever gone back into sketches at the back end and gone, oh, that's the bit they all loved, and they're not interested in that stuff? And has that informed any of the? I, I'm not asking like, oh, are you evil and Machiavellian and just trying to give them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but but, yeah. but but does that in the same way as there is a back and forth experience with a live crowd where you go, oh, every time Zach does that with his face, they love it. You know, so we'll do that more. That that sense of kind of going towards the reaction. I guess YouTube analytics analytics give you a version of that where you're like, whoa, everyone seemed to pay attention at that bit. The, is there a yeah. sort of re- reflexive quality with that? A hundred percent, like a hundred percent, like we will look at sketches that do well and we'll analyze why they did well. Like we don't do it to the level. I mean, the, 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 uh, there are YouTubers that, that analyze to the point of, okay, why are people dropping off a minute in? Why are they... Um, you know, that because it's their livelihood, because we have a broader range of things, we don't go that hard, but we'll absolutely listen to our audience. If, if, you know, if one video gets a lot of views and other video doesn't, we'll go, well, why did that video get lots of views? And if in the comments, people are saying that's no good, we'll listen to that. But then I think you have to be really careful as well, because... Something doing well doesn't necessarily mean it's the best, you know. And if you're making a series of ten sketches on on YouTube, or if you're if you're making a suite of sketches, um, if you're more than just a YouTuber, if you if you're a 
comedian or an artist i think you can't just listen to well everyone watched this you know something might have there might be a thing where everyone switches off halfway through but the people that stay love it more than anything else on the channel so i think it's always been a challenge of of listening to the analytics to a degree but forcing yourself not to get caught in that rabbit hole because i think you can really lose you know lose your instinct and lose the creative part of what you do i think that was a very intelligent point made in a very intelligent fashion um, what i enjoyed i was going to refer early on to the fact that um earlier on when you said i was like oh god how tight how tight knit is, is this gang of guys because when zachary said i'm the weakest writer none of you went like oh no come on man you're okay you're like sure, sure. i would have interjected but i would have said what he was saying which is it's true that uh it, zach is the one not that he is a bad writer but he's definitely the one that doesn't enjoy sitting still for a long period of time i've sat mm. next to him on mm. planes he doesn't like sitting still <laughs> uh uh yeah but it's he's a funny a motor it, reflex thing <laughs> it's less a, uh, less a creative thing i can tell you the order i can tell you the order mark just loves mark would love to, nothing more than just get the the core of an idea or just a little idea and then go and figure it out in a room by himself uh for for an hour I like to talk, 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 require all of the data and then just go and write it as we've just discussed it. And Zach would yeah. prefer to just say, uh, we're doing a podcast about a man called Mr. Goldsmith. And then he stands up and improvises for an hour. And then and yeah. then it's, you know, everyone's job to, to take the gold or take the moments that can then be turned into something. Yeah. So these are the boys. Suffice to say, if you fancy joining the Insiders Club, you can get another 25 minutes of this brilliant bullshit from them as they talk about... What do they talk about on the Insiders Club bits? Uh, they talk about the polarising ability of their work, the critical reception. We get a bit more into the critical reception of Big Old House of Fun and why it means what it means to them, which is a lovely and charming and surprising answer. Uh, we also find out... We do some listener questions. We find out which sketch grabs new fans most successfully. Instant answer on that one. Um, we find their incredible system for improvising around the script on camera. Lovely. It's a tiny moment, that, but it really made me go, oh, my God, you can just do that? Um, and we also discover how much PUD is uh, a little bit of PUD. All of that is available at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, um, along with all the extra content from any episode that has it, and the exclusive recent Insiders Q&A with James Acaster. If you didn't see... Um, cold lasagna hate myself 1999 then you are quite the chump my friend for it was as i've been telling you for months a masterpiece so that's all of that follow me at comcom pod on various social medias i'll leave you to discover them and get in touch info at comedianscomedian.com and i will chat to you after the rest of this conversation with these three extraordinarily wonderful dickheads Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When we last spoke, you were a six-person team. Is Auntie Donna still a six-person team? We fired them. They're oh, gone. We, got, yeah. we cut the slack. We, we <laughs> cut the slack. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. It was actually your podcast is... made us realise we were losing a lot of overhead. Yeah, well, and... like, we're fucking... <laughs> oh, I think I've just unlocked a hidden agenda card. Right? <laughs> <laughs> One, uh, I get some um, points down the line. <laughs> this, is, this is another thing absolutely to Netflix's credit and to our producers' credit. We came in and we had full meetings. We had full meetings in particular with our musician, Tom, and our film director, Max. We were like, if we go over to America and we get a show, the chances of Tom being able to make the music on his own and Max direct it, we were just like, that's slim. Like, there's just no fucking way they're going to let, like, they're going to pair us with someone over there who, you know, because we're new and we, you know, just got a little YouTube thing and whatever. But we went in there and we were like, this is the team. And they went, okay. (laughs) Like, so Max directed every episode. Tom made all of the music. They had, like, help and they were able to, like, meet with people. Like, Max met with Akiva from um, The Lonely Island and just had had a chat, you know, just had a chat about making stuff. And, and, you know, because he did, he directed all of I Think You Should Leave, which was... Um, another sketch show on Netflix. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. They, they just, they let the, they, that's why it's truly a fucking Auntie Donna show, man. Like, because yeah. it is, it is our team. It is the six of us all. We all worked so hard, and every single one of us were there. We all moved to LA for about five months to make it. Um, yeah, we're still six, and and it was those six people that made this. And one. One of the questions I wanted to ask was, how does anyone direct this? Because I didn't know that it was basically on Netflix at the end of the credit thing. It flicks so quickly to the next episode. I was like, I couldn't navigate to find out the credits, (laughs) Um, which I suddenly realised there must be a way of doing that, and I sound old. um, If if there is, I I don't know it. (laughs) I was thinking, how does anyone direct this? Now, obviously, Max has been directing you your TV or your kind of uh, video stuff Mm. the whole time. But what kinds of things does he say does he is is that a case of him pulling directing performances as well as directing the uh the it, op it's um... <laughs> you know we're like is it just the angles or what the um <laughs> um well the op posts first they're the originator of the entire thread <laughs> the original post. Um, no well i think it, it yeah like i think you know we are we're collaborative and we're very like um we're very very collaborative and i'm not saying this in a in a in a in a way to dismiss it's it's i think that we are one one unit uh of six people and i think when we do what we do it, it's more that that's an arm of that singular thing so i think that he when max is a director he's representing arnie donna in the role of director and that's not he directs the shows i'm not dismissing like none of us direct it he directs it but he is doing it in such a way that it's a part of the collaboration it's he has had conversations with us about every sketch 
And it's more of a conversation. So I don't think... So absolutely, he's directing the crew. He's determining, you know, the, the he's talking to the DP about uh, camera angles. He's talking to... He's the one making final decisions with, um, you know, the art department. Um, but it's the, a conversation. So it's it's not like maybe with a director where you would say, hey... How was that performance? Or they would say, hey, can you do it a little bit more like that? It's a bit more just saying, you know, you know what I'm going for with this. You know me really well. You know what this sketch is. Have I got what you need or what we need for the Mm. edit? Like, do do I need to do anything else? It's a bit more collaborative. Does does that make sense as an explanation? Yeah. Because the performances themselves are so, like, you know, because we, we did write it, as well and there's the three of us and sam wrote it with us as well sam is always on set and sometimes we'll throw to sam and we'll be like sam did we get what we need and he'll say uh yes or no or he'll throw in a line like in the middle of a take often in the middle of a take we'll look to whoever's closest i'll look to zach i'll look to broden i'll be like do you guys have anything any ideas and they'll throw in a line and sometimes max will do that and sometimes sam will do that you know it's it's that element of it is a little untraditional like it's it's a it's a little looser and we've figured out our own way of doing that but yeah everything else is is very much uh is very much done in a traditional manner i'd say just the performances are a thing where it's fully collaborative he he almost just to just to sort of like he it it you you have to shoot film in a structured way. There has to be hierarchical mm. structure to a film set, or else it would be a mess. You know, you, the the way things are shot are done like that on every set for a reason. And it's I think he because he's such a good director and he will direct bigger things than Auntie Donna. I, I fully believe that he, he is our conduit. It's it's he it's he's the guy that keeps the 30 crew he he runs that structure in such a way that we can have the play the same playful energy of a, of a of a low lack of him with a camera over his shoulder so he gotcha. does the gotcha. all the directing stuff so that we can do it like like we always mm. do i think mm. With with regard to the performances, there is something about your performances, and I think particularly I noticed this most with Broden, is that you kind of act in inverted commas. <laughs> and there's one point I think on the way in and out of the barbershop sketch and building, you also walk in inverted commas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very well, it's a it's a it's a hard. What we talked about this before we went into we had so many like internal meetings and game. We really were like a like a basketball team at points like we'd always have meetings before going into things or this week we've got this and group meeting huddle break a lot of that going on um uh but i'm just maybe you guys can help me with this but we had a we had a like a really philosophical talk about exactly what Stu's talking about here about the um about there's a layer to a lot of what we're doing and it's there's a lineage of this through lots of other comedians through time doing this but you're making fun of naff you're doing naff and it's a way of making fun of sincerity or like i i it's a i'm 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 grasping at clouds here but i think there's something (laughs) the the narratives i think the narratives in the in the in the show are a perfect example of that like we per- we purposely pitched, like when we were talking to Netflix about it, we were like, the narratives 
are bad. The narratives are dumb and they're stupid and they don't make any sense. And we're and we're making fun of things like like we're making fun of like happy endings and and people everyone feeling like there's been a full circle when there's absolutely not been a full circle but we're all gonna act like there has been one like at the end of the treasure episode where it's all like oh yay we won money but it's like the we said the pirate was dead and there's no (laughs) timeline here and why is the pirate there and then the treasure was just there but it's all acted very like oh wow this is great and exciting yeah so it's like all yeah yeah i would say that the narratives are in inverted commas real fucking hard you know but it's um i don't know i think that's just we just like that yeah. because that's like I don't know. There's just something funny. There's something funny about taking the piss out of those things. It's, I don't know what I'm the, saying the, either. No, man. the core <laughs> criticism of what that I've seen of the show coming from the inverse is why is it? It's just so fucking stupid and silly. Like, why is <laughs> yeah. it so fucking silly and stupid? And the truth is because at the core, some you know, like I've heard in TV pitches before, the idea can be it's about um, this office where everyone's a wanker, but it's actually about heart. Um, or yeah, it's sure, about sure. this, but it's actually about this. Our show is literally about nothing but funny. So if like, if there's no reason why I shouldn't, it, why, why, if I can walk from A to B and it, and and walk in a in a funny way, there's no reason not to. Apart from and 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 never does it come into our mind. Is that a bit much? Um, no, no, yeah, yeah. It's it's just why not. not take it's advantage? not in our DNA. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and it's and it's the thing because because like this this show is split people and if you want to see it go to internet movie database and look at the one star <laughs> tens and ones reviews, tens and ones right? tens and ones okay. tens and ones right <laughs> like people fucking hate it some people fucking hate it and hate it to the point where they're like I can't understand how people like it I read one today that was like the ten star reviews must be the crew and the, and family members like there can't possibly be people that have enjoyed it and I think. I think what happens is they miss the inverted commas. They miss that we're doing mm. inverted commas. They think yes. we're just doing it. They, okay. you know, and that's totally fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I like making something that's subversive and, and splits people down the middle. But what I think happens is they don't realize we're doing it. We know this is stupid. We know that this is so ridiculous. That's why we find it funny. They just see the stupid. But, and there's also... Oh, sorry. Go. go. Oh, well, no, no, no. Go for it. Go on. There's also just a, like... Um, I'm trying to think. Like, if inverted commas indicates... Because so, we talk about the fact, like, Bro talked about the fact that we're not, we don't do sincerity and we don't do that sort of thing, which is true. We don't do emo- emotion and we don't do, well, we don't do, like, sad and we don't do those sorts of things. But there's an element when, when you say inverted commas, it, it, it's it, it's not naturalism. It's a very heightened kind of performance style. Um, to the point that I've gotten acting jobs in the last five years and been bad at acting now. I'm bad at acting now, which is a worry. Um, but I think it, when you hear inverted commas or when you see what we do, I think sometimes the people are so fucking cerebral and they're so in their yeah, heads sure. that they're yeah. like, but why are they doing it? Why have they made that choice to walk silly? What What's the thought behind that? And and when you say even inverted commas, there are people that think inverted commas must mean irony or, or it must mean satire or it must mean... Uh, and it's like, to a degree, 
there sure. is a real honesty and purity and sincerity to what we do. We're walking like that because it's funny. We're acting, o- we're overacting because it's funny. We're, we're, we're making the fucked choice because it's funny. And it's like, I think sometimes people kind of are digging too deep. Like they, they, they hate it because they're, they're like, I keep digging. Because it digging. eludes them. They're looking for a sense that isn't there. Yeah, and it's and like, you, yeah, you've got to go back. You've got to like go yeah, all yeah. the way back. Like every question you ask to try to understand this, you're going further and further away from the point, which is just, yes. it's fun to be silly. And remember because how really, fun Broden's, it was. Broden's walk, and we've got a li- we'll do some listener questions in a minute. There's one <laughs> listener question about why is Broden such a good dad? And, <laughs> and, and it's connected to that walk because there is, there is a quality, like what's going on with that walk is Broden has done that walk before on a whim in front of an audience and they've say. pissed themselves. That's and exactly so he's done right. it more and now it's how he walks from A to B. That's that's the inverted comment. At the end of the... When the little (laughs) tiny Mark gets hoovered up and then (laughs) Zach says something like, I've done the hoovering, the fact that Broden then goes, shut up. It's it's funny because it's it's you being funny. It's exactly, it's four Edinburgh's uh, wanting to die and it's uh, tourists (laughs) all over the world. It really is. It's the knowing... Like sometimes you say something in a in a in a rhythm at the right time and at the right moment, and you know that it's yeah. going to make people laugh, just on like energy and you, and you learn that everyone it's nothing special to us. It's to anyone who performs comedy regularly, you learn that half of it is just rhythm and energy and and that and and it's yeah exactly right. Uh, that's where the walk comes from. That's where little pops off the top and yeah, a hundred percent. And and what what I think is really special about Auntie Donna is that because you have that relationship with the video editing, you know that we'll go to that point, we'll just use the take where he did the silliest, funniest one. That's the thing that always destroys brilliant live shows. Well, not destroys, but it's like when a brilliant live show tries to do that on TV they have to mm. suddenly work with some editor they've never met who mm-hmm. who then goes oh i think they were going for this and you're like no we weren't going for that at all so you get to you get to make the choices Absolutely. yeah well we what we uh, what's interesting about that is that we did work with an editor we'd never met before on this show uh, his name was oh, Santiago. I look, I look far less clever now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but but it was a roll of the dice. There was two of them because there was two of them because Max, who directs, also cuts all our stuff. Okay. But um, uh, to save a bit of time because it was such a huge project, we brought on another editor, and this guy just turned out to be the fucking best, and and so much because we were, like there were there were choices that we made when we were shooting it. One, uh, the the first example of this, where you know internally we were like struggling with what to do was the family feud sketch the game show sketch at the end of episode one right and um the first edit came in and we'd done takes there was this one take in particular that zach led where we we know that sketch inside out we've done that sketch a million times live we know exactly what works we know exactly what tone works and then when we were on there shooting it on the day we're fucking around and zach just like dropped the energy completely and just did this totally different tone right and we're almost like laughing at it ourselves as we were doing it because we're like this isn't right this is silly (laughs) and we know that this isn't how the sketch goes but let's do it because it feels different and that's exciting it's good to mix it up on set almost you know yeah it's yeah, it's nice to mix it up so, you know, you're always feeling like you're you're doing something new. Otherwise, you don't ever want to feel like you're just going through the motions. Anyway, that take, parts of that take made it into the edit, right? 
Because someone who didn't know the sketch and doesn't know us, but has great comedic timing and rhythm, saw that and went, oh, that's the funniest, that's the funniest one, and put that in. And then internally, it fucked us up. Because we were like, but that's not how it goes. It's kind of working. <laughs> but 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 is should it go that way? And and we almost like, you know, it was our first kind of like major disagreement. And we ended up going with it because what he was able to do and 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 the 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 viewpoint that he was able to bring to the show was someone who wasn't as intrinsically connected to the material as we were. So he was just picking stuff that he as an outside eye was going Fuck, that's pretty funny, and then just put it in, yeah. you know. And and it's and it's really what made the show special. I think in a lot mm. of ways, I think it would have been a very different show with. He picked up on the improvisation in a way that was really exciting. It's um, this is like not related to us, so it's probably not sort of right for a podcast. But there's it, a story that really stuck with me from the Alien Resurrection DVD extras. Um, Jesus, <laughs> every show, every show we get onto Alien Resurrection. Here we go. No, what Here was that, go. the fourth one? Um, anyway, the, whatever the fourth uh, Alien was called, um, there was this interview with uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, and he said that the difference between Sigourney Weaver and Winona Ryder, which I just always thought was so, so fascinating, he said, because... Uh, Sigourney Weaver is a theatre trained actor, probably one that doesn't really trust directors anymore because she'd been around for a long time. Um, He would give her a direction and she would say, okay, why? Why do you want me to do that? What's the intention behind that? What's the character's thinking around that? And they would have to have a big conversation about exactly what his intention was behind the direction. And then if she agreed she would then do it for him on camera. Then um, he said Winona Ryder, who had never done theatre, was completely from film and, and was a younger performer. He would give a direction and she'd go, okay, and she'd just throw five different versions of that direction at him. She'd just do it five times um, and go, just use whichever one you want in the edit. And I think that that story has stuck with me because I think that's just such a... People forget that with film, that you can just try a thing and uh, yeah, never yeah. have mm. to use it. And, and, and something that's really lucky or one of the great advantages when you said we're in the editing suite, one of the great advantages is I know that if I do something and it's bad, it won't make it into the final cut because I will be able to sure. say don't put it in. And that being able to take that risk is sometimes I think why you find those really funny walk moments. If, if, if Broden wasn't in control of the edit he might not take that risk he might not do that weird thing because what if they put it in and what if he looks like an idiot what if whereas he can just try it and then cut it you know so i think there's a lot of power in the edit and i think it's an important thing for comedians to be in the editing suite okay uh two two more uh ask them how the ellen sketch was written it's genius says patrick rock well and then dorian wainwright follows up on that he says there's a video on youtube of them doing a stage version of the sketch from about four years ago and the changes they've made to adapt the sketch from stage to screen are really interesting i'd love to know what the reasoning was behind the changes well yeah so it's funny that was in our first ever trip to the uk we did um we ellen was in the show and was like our one good sketch for that year um uh, it was like, and it was, you know, we ended our show with it. We're really proud of it in Australia. It's just one of those ones that, you know, sometimes you write a really good sketch and you're really proud of it. Um, and it's never been right to film. But the first time we took it to the UK, like the show, we made this best of show and the audiences really liked it, but it fell flat in the last, when we did Ellen, because 
the UK doesn't have didn't have Ellen at the time or didn't yeah. and like they just wouldn't get on board. They just were like, oh, it's okay. It really just lost the magic that it had elsewhere. And um, but it seems to have changed mm. now. Do you guys have Ellen now? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that anyone has anyone or anything anymore. Like That's everything's true. available all the time, isn't it? So I guess mm. people are more aware of it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah, it's, it was a weird thing. But yeah, yeah so we, we, we've never. We've always wanted to film it, and like. Like, I'm kind of thankful that we never did. It was too hard and, like, it was too hard to kind of figure out how to translate mm. it. And, mm. you know, because it's so it's so audio-based and would you, should you try and get the visuals? Um, but, yeah, we it's it, I've done it. These boys alternate it. When we do it live, they alternate who plays the person. And it's a girl. We, we do it as a girl called... It's just Ellen and it's a girl called Jessica on the phone. But we put it into the okay. plot of this show where it's Zach. But um, I reckon I've performed it potentially like between seven hundred and a thousand times. Well, um, you would have, yeah. And um, we did it in four takes on the shoot, so we had two cameras, so it was eight bits of footage on four takes of just yeah. like smashing through it. Uh, but yeah, like it's we we adapted it a little bit, but it's it's like one of the most written things we've ever done. We like so much structure and detail and minutia of rhythm and stuff. Uh, but do you know what I would say, though? I would just add, mm, it, mm. It, it's written. It's very, very, very written. It has to be. Um, but it came from improv. Everything in the sketch was improvised. All came out improv. And we would just do it, and then we had the dot points, and we improvised it again, and then we, and then the next time we improvised it, we, we took what we had done, and it was one of those ones that kind of evolved, 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 where every time we performed it, it was in us a little bit more and we added more and then and then we and then it was me and bro i think sat down and wrote it but when we wrote it it was largely from memory just kind of transcribing what we had found in the improv to then edit that down tighten it learn that and then give it that fast-paced feeling so it's it is our most written sketch it's our most sort of verbatim learn the lines say the line sketch but it ca- it's also, in terms of development, one of the most improvised, like the most improvisation we've done to develop a sketch, which I think is of note. Yeah, and in terms of the changes, like it's 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 with theatre, it's weird because sometimes things are just a bit more. Uh, um, you can be, you can bend the rules a bit more. You can bend things a bit more with theatre. You know, you can people can use their imagination a little more. Um, and so in theater, it's very easy to just make the other character, a, a girl or someone else or someone completely other. And also Broden Allen, because I think there's an element of, although Broden is saying there's someone else, everyone in a live room knows they're seeing Broden and knows it's Broden. So if Zach was to then play Zach backstage, it would just feel a little weird. And in this, there was just no need to make Zach another character because Broden was clearly not Broden because we had a wig and we had a set and we had a whole whole other thing. So it just came from like it just made sense. There was there was no there was never really any arguments or discussion around yeah. that. It just kind of it just never would have felt right to do yeah, it. Yeah, and I the mean, I, I miss. You know? Yeah, like I, I, I like I really liked sense. the character voice and I liked doing it as a character. Um, I like playing characters um but it was just one of those things to tie it back to the narrative to tie it back to the house it made sense for it to be zach 
Um, and on top of that, it was also just we needed to cut it down a bit. You know, it's it's set, it's eight and a half minutes in the live version. Mm. And Bro, I think was the one that really pointed out. He was like, I think we do need to get this down to closer to five because in a live setting you have a captive audience. There's a sense where you can go, all right, we're all here. You're not leaving. And if like, we're all here. Part of the tension is we're still doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 tension tension is right there. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe they're still doing this is slightly different when you can get up and do the dishes. Like you, you have to, you just have to consider it's a slightly different energy. So really it was just about how do we maintain that tension, but in a, in a, in a, in a setting that's not captive. So we just sort of, most of the changes from the live version to the TV version were just like trimming it down to not, to just capture that feeling, but just be a little tighter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also things that just got, things that have been in the sketch for five years that we finally had a chance to sit down and go, I've actually never thought this bit makes sense. And then we've gone, all right, let's change it. There are a couple of things like that. There's a couple of changes that were just stuff that we did and then in five years never had the time to sit down and fix. Final listener question. Andrew White uh, prefaces this by saying, I love them all so much. They've genuinely influenced my life greatly in the last five years. Horrifying. Uh, Andrew says, where they are always subverting everything, social media, podcasting, publicity, etc., are there any instances where they regret their goofiness no i think we've absolutely not not for me anyway i think we've hit a nice uh sophistication with press i think we um when we first 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 started doing it we just answered questions and that just sucked like i'm not talking about in a thoughtful podcast like yours Stu. there's um there's a reason to be Mm. sincere but there's this also like with press Sometimes breakfast show, Piers Morgan wants you to come on and just answer the questions, but what's best is to kind of just show what you're about. Yeah. Um, and uh, what we've got to now is we've figured out a way to be silly, but also not to offend uh, <laughs> like a lot of uh, the interviewers and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think, we've, I've hit, I think we've hit a level of sophistication, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I think the regret has, has never been for being too silly. Genuinely, the biggest regrets I have are for when we got in our head, when we, when we got in the way of just that pure joy and that pure unbridled sort of sense of play and fun. It's when we started to go, oh, we should maybe approach this interview a little more seriously or we should maybe come at this a little more um, that without the right conversation around it and the right intention around it, that's that that's where most of my regrets mm. lie around those sorts of things. But they're not real. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, honestly. Like- <laughs> so that was Auntie Donna. That was Zach, Mark and Broden. And uh, we sort of... I mean, there's another 25 minutes of us having a whale of a time chatting as uh, as they all get increasingly tired and remain firm and resolute in their commitment to continue talking to me. Um, we'll get into depth on all of those those extra things, uh, the polarising ability of their work, their reaction to reviews and so on. Loads of other great stuff. Comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to sign up for that. And the exclusive Insiders Only Q&A with James Acaster. And we have more of those coming up as well. So great time to join if you haven't already. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to the boys. Thanks to the rest of Auntie Donna for making such a fabulous show with them. 
Um, thank you to editor-in-chief uh, Nathan Wood. Also, thank you very much to Rob Smouten for the music, Jake Crossland for the consistently excellent logging of episodes throughout the year. Thank you to podcast consultant Peter Dobbing. And thank you to you, the listener. I sort of said at the end of last week's episode, I ended up at the end of the Nigel Long one, which is really worth listening to. Um, and then if you can be bothered hanging around at the end, I did a sort of pre-Christmas thank everybody post-amble whilst simultaneously bemoaning the fact I should have saved it till now. But it's a good job I didn't because I'm three minutes over the time I said I'd finish. It is very, very nearly Christmas and I'm going to go and play with my kids. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 